Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Egberto is your host. Thank you so kind for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Welcome aboard, British MCP. Welcome aboard, Lee Grant. Welcome aboard, Eric Hayes, Paul Fleming Sr., and El Senor Michael Rodnin, who said he may not be staying too long because he has company. I can understand. And, of course, today, the first one in the house was the one and only, only, uh, <laughs> It scrolled up. Yvette Avery Harrod says, good afternoon, PDR Posse. Good afternoon, Yvette Avery Harrod. It's great to see you here. Bridge MCP says, Egberto Ashley is really working it, getting stronger every day. Yes, my dear, beautiful daughter is actually uh, doing that good work. Uh, and uh, I mean, I, I, just, I, I just feel great that she's out there working and, and doing all the stuff that she's doing. It is it is great, um, and I, I want her to continue. And you know she's she's doing a good job. She's doing a good job. She's doing a good job. Anyhow, uh, let's see what else we got here. What else we got here? The many times Ken Paxton refused to defend from Paul Fleming to defend Texas agencies in court. The Texas Attorney General said he's back to work. After his recent acquittal, but his office has repeatedly declined to fulfill one of its key duties representing state agencies who are being sued. Does that surprise you? I don't think so. Uh, what else have we got here from my dear peeps? We have Lee Grant says Biden admin is in denial over the border. Uh, no, it's not in denial. We have a rush coming through the border. But we knew that rush was coming because... A lot of Venezuelans are crossing into Darien. That is the province. That's in Panama. The province right next to my province, which is Colón. They're going from Darien to Panama province. And then Panama is, is are putting them in buses over to Costa Rica. Costa Rica in buses over to Nicaragua. Nicaragua in bus. And, and again, that's what they're doing, right? Because... The, uh, Panama is just a transport route for the migration going north. So uh, every country that is south of the United States just have let the people pass through. It costs them $35, $40 to go from Panama City to the Costa Rican border. $40, that's what it costs them. It costs them 300 and something dollars for the crooks in Darien to get them across that thick forest. That's what's going on right now. If America wants to stop that 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 travel to from Venezuela, which is mostly from Venezuela right now, right up uh, right up the gut of Central America into Mexico into the states, they could mitigate it, start making creating relationships with Venezuela. But you keep what's going on in Venezuela; it's going to happen. And we are we are very responsible for a lot of what's happening in Venezuela. You can talk about the communists, socialists, all that good stuff. We are very responsible for what's going on uh, over there. Julia Hewitt, welcome aboard, Julia Hewitt. Wow, that almost sounds like somebody I know, but she is not Julia, but, well, I, I'll leave that just in case a person is trying to make the name a little bit less than, you know what. Anyway, welcome aboard. Julia Hewitt. All right. Uh, Bridge MCP says, if you want to push fair trade treaties and for corporations to uphold fair trade contracts, go for it. Meantime, the need for EVs won't diminish. Child labor overseas is a problem. I, I think what I better read first is what 
Eric Hayes said. Eric Hayes said the following. EV administration by our government. I, I want to make sure and read the first one that he put here. EV administration by our government signs uh, most of for Africa child labor mines versus union American workers do it in America. Why? To offload the climate related optics. Thought our government was in favor of EV and union jobs. Well, that is a reality. That rhetoric does not prove reality. All right. Let's dissect what Eric Hayes tried to say, because what he's tried to say has some some nuggets of truth in there. All right. I repeat, it is it has nuggets of truth in it. Here's what he's talking about. A lot of the rare earths, etc., that's used to create batteries and other things are produced in Africa, or rather are, are mined in Africa, because that's where you have, look, the, the, the richest continent is Africa. Everybody else really needs Africa, right? And that's why you have a lot of African TikTokers and African scholars now are saying, stop referring to us as poor. Stop referring to Africa as not having. Stop putting all those poor babies on the screen in Africa. That's there. But you know what? We could make ads of poor babies in Appalachia. We could make uh, we could make we could show poor babies in Sudan. We can show poor babies in Yugoslavia, uh, not Yugoslavia anymore, Bosnia, Herzegovina. We can show poor babies in America. You, you'll find a problem finding it in Canada, given that Canada is, for all practical purposes, a, a, a humane country that takes care of it all of its own. But you can find this degeneracy all over, not just in Africa, but right here where we live. So a lot of African scholars now are saying, stop calling us poor. We are rich. We are so rich that all the colonial powers invade us to take our riches away. That is going on top of what brother uh, uh, Eric is talking about now. Okay, a lot of mining goes on there and a lot of uh, capitalists, including African capitalists and American capitalists, they go to Africa and mine at cheap labor. What is it that Alan Greenspan says? Capitalism is an efficient allocation of resources, which means get the resources at the cheapest, most efficient level that you can. And in Africa, where you have a where there are not efficient child labor laws, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that's what capitalism does. It have them in the mines. It has them all over the place. That's one issue, as Bridge MCP points out quite well. That is one issue. That issue should not stop us from doing what we need to do, which is create that environment, that EV environment, the electrification environment should not stop it. Okay, so let's, let's, let's break here now. There are several things that need to be handled at the same time. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. So that is one issue. The other issue is EV and labor unions. Let me tell you what the right wing and all its sycophants are trying to talk to people, to their listeners like uh, Eric and others. They want you to believe. Now they, they, they now have a care for the union worker. They now care about unions. They now care about all those people in Detroit. So they're telling people in Detroit, those electric cars are going to harm you. 
those electric cars are going to harm you. It's going to take your jobs away. So from not caring about union workers, not believing in union workers, they're now trying to convince union workers not to want EVs because it's going to harm you. BS. BS. BS and BS. So we need to continue building. Uh, we need to get into an EV economy. Well, let me let me teach you a few of our right wingers something here. They always say, oh, yes, you can have the electric vehicles, but you still have coal burning plants. Guess what? That's true. And in the short term, even as you remove a lot of cars off the market, you just may, some people just may, in the short term, fire up a couple extra carbon emitting plants to supply that extra electricity. But the good thing about abstraction of movements, abstraction of motors, means the following. If you go into a neutral energy source like electricity is, electricity is an abstracting form of energy. What that means is electricity is the common form of energy, right? But to get that common form of energy, you can go from several ways. You can get solar, wind. Uh, coal, natural gas, petroleum, wood chips, all these different forms of energy can be converted into electricity. So if as you're building your EV markets, meaning an electric market, you are, you are also uh, transitioning your carbon polluting, carbon emitting sources of electricity into more green types of electricity. That gives you the option of doing two things at the same time. That is what the think tank are not telling you. Critical thinking is what I tell all of my folks on the right to do. Critical thinking. And that is what EV gives us. EV tells us the following. If we can create a green electric vehicle, that is what we're going to use. For all those who talk about the mining is destructive to the environment, the mining occurs once, right? And then thereafter, we'll get some recycling into the, the, the material, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But again, critical thinking is what the, the thought process that we need. All right, let's continue. I, I hope, I know, I know that didn't, likely didn't get into uh, Eric's brain, but the good thing about all the podcasts that will be listening to our podcast afterwards, they will get the very statement that Eric got and understand the answer. And for those who were fooled by the, uh, the right wing who tries to create obstacles like Eric was fooled, they will be informed and educated. All right. Let's continue now. Uh, Lee Grant says, Biden administration, denial of labor. Nope, I, I already took tackle that one with immigration. Bridge FCP says, uh, from Michael Rodden, if you want, I read that one of what fair trade treaties already. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Daniel Ledo says, so according to Egberto, we knew this surge was coming and the Biden administration did nothing to stop it. Unfortunately, Biden doesn't want to stop it. If that's what you want to believe, that's your choice. It's a silly belief. The issue is there is no policy. And by the way, I, I 
I wish Biden would speak on the policy, but it, it, is, it isn't copacetic for the right wing right now. The problem has to go. You have to go to the source of the problem. You don't think this problem isn't one that you fix at the United States-Mexico border. This is a problem you fix in Venezuela, Costa, uh, Venezuela, Honduras, Nicaragua, uh, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Haiti. Haiti. That's where you solve the problem, and it's a lot less expensive. But believe it or not, a lot of you right-wingers love this stuff with immigration, not only because you can make political hay out of it, but because it is profitable. All the $12 billion that New York is going to spend goes into capitalist country of which at least 50% of that stuff is going to be profit. Let's get it, baby. Let's understand how this stuff works. All right. Continuing. Julia Hewitt says, I live in Australia. Okay. I love Australia. I love Australia. I love your gun laws as well. I was on a show last night. I was on a right-wing program last night, a, a, a libertarian program last night. I got, on, I got along very well with the hosts at the libertarian program. There's a lot of commonalities that we found out that we had. Of course, they, he still had a little bit of conspiracy theories that he believed in, but that we established a rapport and that he's going to carry our blogs as well because we agreed that we want to be open. I love it. You know, middle ground, not middle ground, but... Uh, communication, that's what it's all about. I love the guy. All right, Daniel Adol says, so according to Egberto, no, no, I read that one already. Uh, let's see what else we got here. We got Paul Fleming says, the, auto, the United Auto Workers has filed a labor complaint against Tim Scott for saying, you strike, you're fired. The statement by Scott is violates the federal labor law since he is an employer and you cannot discriminate against employees for striking. I love it. They're going to get that sucker. That's a good one. Daniel says, no, America can show millions of dead babies. Uh, yeah, I know. You know why they can show millions of dead babies? Because they kill them. You know how they kill them? Underfeeding the living. Not, not, uh, not making sure that, they, that we have gun laws that protect our kids. We killed, uh, we killed hundreds of thousands of kids. You're right about that, Daniel. It's just not, uh, we're not talking fetuses. We're talking living kids. Republican policies have killed so many kids that were born. It's astounding. It's amazing. If you take a look at the fentanyl epidemic, that's the fault of Republicans. How? Because you, you don't, it, it, instead of treating things the way they should, giving people hope, making sure that they have options, you prevent that. So they have no options anymore. And they feel like they have to soothe their pain. You pass laws that allow the, 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 the drug companies who created these, these venoms to exist. So you're right, Daniel. America can show millions of dead babies and dead adults as well. Thank you for making, thank you for telling the truth. Every case is $113 billion. Where are the U.S. investment? Ah, that's crap. All right. Julie Hewitt says, we are only rich until our land is depleted from mining. Yeah. And you know which land is almost, we, it would take us, not generations, but siglos, centuries, centuries to do any kind of depletion. And by the time that occurs, we would have learned how to re reconfigure elements to re, you know, reconstitute the things that we use. 
Africa is almost limitless with resources. And I'm talking about, when I say limitless, I'm talking about, of course, within, uh, within, you know, within hundreds of thousands of years. All right. Michael Rudin says conservatives don't seem to like the shift from internal combustion engines to electronic vehicles. Conservatives also like to pretend they care about children. How about how Republicans consistently vote against social welfare spending to prevent childhood distress, such as funding school lunches programs shows it's nothing but say sloganeering. Of course. And that's what I was saying earlier, Radnin. What I said earlier is what happens. And what happens is they do a good talk, but they never put their money except to give it to the wealthy. That's a statement of fact. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Michael Rundi says, uh, uh, replying to Paul Fleming, Biden helps union pensions to the tune of $86 billion. Yeah, spreading the news. This should be the ad in favor of Joe Biden and Democrats. Republicans are so out of touch that they don't understand the simple concept. People like it when government does good for people. And guess what's gaining in popularity again? Unions. What's gaining in popularity again? Unions, they're, they are, people are starting to realize a pilfer that is occurring from uh, the Republicans and other and the plutocracy. All right, continuing with God. Egbert, uh, uh, Brit says, I already read that one. Uh, she reposted that. Uh, Julie Hewitt says, those Republicans will harm you. True. We need some coal burning plants while we transition. You know, again, like I said, in America, we don't need the coal burning plants because we have ample sources of Wind power, hydropower, solar power, uh, thermal, 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 uh, thermal power. I mean, Yellowstone, we can, we, the amount of energy we can generate from Yellowstone if we so chose to do. Remember I said that the problem is capitalism. Uh, the way it works is, let, let's give an example. The energy companies right now, they, ha they have easy money from drilling oil and taking it out of the ground. It's very, very cheap to do that. Even if you go deep well, compared to the vast amount of oil they're going to pull out of the ground for those very expensive deep wells, it's like pulling water, especially since those wells under that type of pressure, the water is easy to get to. I mean, the, the oil is easy to get to after you break the seal, right? Now, thermal requires new technologies and also fairly expensive technologies. But guess what? The United States is blessed. The entire Yellowstone Caldera could generate so much energy. That's one place. Wind. We Look, America is loaded with sources of what we would call green energy. But we have to have the concerted efforts to use it. And the oil industry, because they have cheap energy in oil, will not invest in other avenues that we have readily available. I mean, readily available. We have the thermal, readily available. Wind, we can, there's so much more wind we have. Texas, after being one of the, after being the leading state in wind energy, because of the oil companies, they want to make it more difficult for you to transmit your energy from your windmill onto the grid. Even as we're having grid problems, it shows you what lousy Republican policy is all about. All right, continuing. Let's go ahead with We have Paul Fleming says, uh, one a Republican investigation has found that the Supreme Court 
so that the Supreme Court Justice Thomas secretly participated in Coke network donor events, a breach of judicial norms that one federal judge said takes my breath away. I actually just saw that across the Chiron on my screen. Across the Chiron, that just came across. Anyhow, what we have here is a from Michael Rundin, a vote. If I vote Republican because I may not have much, but Republicans will make sure others have even less. And that that is similar to something that uh, uh, similar to something that uh, what his name said, Johnson, the, the former president Johnson said. I should look that up and, and find it. Anyway, uh, look, I got a, 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 a 20 minute piece here from Patrick Lavelle that I want to play today. And then I'll get to the rest of the questions. Uh, well, I tell you what, let me finish the questions. Um, let me let, let me go ahead and see first. Uh, I tell you what, let me play this and then we'll come back to the questions. Okay, we'll, let's play this and we'll come back to the questions. Uh, let's see, let's go, there we go. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. Once again, in continuing our, our series, The Con, uh, we're here with Patrick Lovell who is responsible for, who is the producer and also what I call the protagonist of this series. Patrick, how are you doing today, my friend? Well, it's amazing, man. You can't move in any direction without actually running into what it is we're talking about um, and what we're revealing on this on this um, incredibly important dialogue, Egberto. And thank you for for pursuing it. Because, look, man, the bottom line is that I have watched and witnessed like ad nauseum, a waterfall, a water cannon of misinformation from the general public and disinformation all over the place. And a lot of people that are confused online that are talking about the recent bank runs and, you know, uh, trying to parlay it into understanding about what happened in 2008, what actually didn't happen then and what got fixed and what didn't get fixed. They don't understand. Nobody understands the level of engineered deception and techniques of fraud on a global scale that we're revealing, which is the impetus for everything we're dealing with right now, because it never got fixed, which was the whole point. This particular episode is on deception. And yes, what we saw at Silicon Valley Bank is also deception. Recently, it just, in fact, it came through with, I think, the best well, the only economist that I fully trust these days, and I have for a long time, big fan of a gentleman by the name of Michael Hudson. Many of your viewers might be aware of him, but he was being interviewed by recently by Ben. Um, boy, I can't think of Ben's last name, but they both revealed that the largest bankruptcy in uh, banking history of the United States. And I thought it was Lehman Brothers because, of course, the Silicon Valley Bank was a big deal. But it turned out to be Washington Mutual. So the woman we just saw was the head of credit risk for Washington Mutual. Right. So what happened at that time, you know, they weren't always a fraud shop. They were a fraud shop because of what took place after deregulation, which we'll talk about briefly. But look, a lot of your viewers are also probably aware recently, like, for example, both Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, but particularly Elizabeth Warren has been out there on the circuit blaming Donald Trump for deregulation based on the Dodd-Frank Act that took place to clean up all the stuff that we're talking about that never cleaned it up. But ultimately, the irony is there were 16 uh, senators. Democratic senators, and there was probably on the line of 32 uh, Democratic uh, representatives that also went with this. And, and lo and behold, 
it turns out that this this is you can't make this up, Egberto. But Barney Frank of the actual Dodd Frank legislation yes. was on the board of directors for Signature Bank, trying to water down his own regulation of Dodd Frank. Ironically, it's Signature Bank, his signature, uh, you know, um, his signature uh, legislation. So you go back to the beginning here, and this is what everybody's missing about the techniques of deception. So everybody in, in, in finance and in banking understands risk. So the bottom line is they decided, you know, after the late 90s deregulation by the Clinton administration, that gave us the president working group under Richard Levitt, who was at the SEC, and then, of course, Robert Rubin, who was the former CEO of uh, Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs. Treasury Secretary under Clinton. And then, of course, everybody's favorite uh, who created all of this stuff, um, the chair of the Federal Reserve, Alan Greenspan. And then at that time, uh, who am I missing from that illustrious group? Oh, yeah. Nobody else but Larry Summers. Okay. by the way, and I got to come back to that point in a little bit. But the long and the short of it, Egberto, is that that's when the deregulation went on overdrive. That's when we got rid of Glass-Steagall. Maybe some of many of your viewers are watching Robert Reich out there right now and Senator Warren saying, we need Glass-Steagall back. Oh, yeah, it's going to be real easy to get that with this Congress that we have. But the long and the short of it is we got the Glass-Steagall Act after the Great Depression when we did the investigation through a gentleman by the name of Ferdinand Pecora, who laid out all the facts that led to the Great Depression. And suddenly Congress actually got in line and created they figured out what the problems were. So they got rid of the casino gambling, which was just you know basically hyperdrive mafiocracy. And what they did at that time period is they created the savings, excuse me, the Securities and Exchange Commission. And they also created um, Glass-Steagall. To, 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 so you couldn't have gambling with other people's money. Okay. So fast forward to this conversation that we're talking about in light of what we just saw. So after the 2008 great financial crisis, and actually in the run-up to it, as we just saw, you know, they, they, they got rid of the underwriting standards. And that was the, the whole technique. And this woman that we just saw was head of credit risk at Washington Mutual, as it turns out, as I just said, the largest bankruptcy in the United States, who had been there for 30 plus years, she knows exactly how to do underwriting. Right. She knows exactly how to make the sound and safeness, safety and soundness of the financial industry. And she was getting muscled out. Why? Because what we did with this deregulation and through what we've showed you from the very beginning, which is called control fraud, when the CEOs are able to create these, these mechanics of deception based on these engineering of deception through underwriting, they're able to increase the level of loans, which hyperinflates the asset bubble, which as it turns out, is really the job of the Federal Reserve now. It's not to basically maintain low inflation and full employment. As we see, it's absolute bullshit. What it is, is to create increased asset value and ultimately increased real estate value for the 1% or maybe the top 10% at best, but really the 001% that are using all of these deceptive acts and practices. And as she showed in that, in that, in, in incredibly important uh, uh, revelation is she said, because it was uh, the largest bankruptcy in history that got purchased by none other than who? Do you remember? The bank. I don't remember. The, uh, I, which bank was it? It's a big bank. Chase. Right. Who's Chase. all over the place right now? Everybody's right. like, oh, yeah, everybody's going to be running to Chase because it's this globally systemic, you know, huge you know, operation because of what's happening with Silicon Valley Bank and all the billionaires are going to so, you know, throw their money into Chase because why? They're an extension of what we're talking about with the Federal Reserve. And the long and the short of it is, even though they're the largest criminal bank right now next to Credit Suisse, which just went down last night, that just got bailed out by, uh, you know, by the, 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 the company for, third, for $50 billion, $54 billion. 
billion dollars. Right. Exactly. And so when you created these liars loans, now again, people blame it on subprime. There's a reason for subprime. The differentiator is, and a lot of people, especially in Texas, will understand this. You know, if you're a wildcatter and you're like selling you know, uh, oil rigs or whatever, or maybe pipelines and everything else. And you're a commission guy, your income is lumpy. Sometimes you're way up. Sometimes you're kind of here. Sometimes you're down, whatever. And there's a way to lend against that. And there's a way to price that risk, right? Just because somebody's up and down, and they're not, they're not monthly, doesn't mean they're a bad credit risk. They're just going to have a different kind of a lumpy way to pay things back. And that goes for, quite frankly, minorities too, right? You mm-hmm. could have a minority, for example, and, not, and I don't mean to blanket, but I'm just saying, let's say in, in my, well, sorry, let me just put it this way. Take that comment back about minorities and think of it this way. Low-income neighborhoods. Maybe there's people in low-income neighborhoods that have jobs, you know, three or four jobs. That doesn't mean they can't pay things back. That just doesn't mean they, they, they don't have huge amounts of income and great buffer in their bank account. They just have to pay back accordingly, which then, of course, in all manners, levels of spectrum of our economy, you're supposed to price risk based accordingly. That's not what they did. They opened this up based on fees, based on control fraud, based on modern executive compensation to hyperinflate assets that they were moving because it was a $70 trillion appetite for all of these uh, 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 mortgage-backed securities in the 2008 era that generated 600 to $800 trillion in derivatives problems that ultimately blew up because, of course, that's not sustainable. And it's interesting, an it's interesting what they, they did, the way they, they packaged these different derivatives and had some formula. I mean, these different uh, securities and had some formula that said, we can mix the ones that have good credit references, the ones that have middle credit references, and the ones that we know are piece of crap and convert that into a high-grade financial instrument. What you're talking about is the mortgage-backed securities. And they right. looked at it, you got to visualize like, um, you know, um, let's say a faucet that has a water flow of revenue. But as you get down the credit risk stream, and the way they package that was there's like, you know, you get all these quants, these geniuses in, in math to basically do this sort of credit risk analysis that's like, look, you, you, if you have X amount that are, let's say, triple B and then X amount that are C, it's going to be made up because of however you get in triple A. And together, we're going to sell this together to open up again, the credit box to get more and more investors from this global, you know, um, capital that always thought that American housing was safe. But ultimately, let me just finish this real quick before the next slide. Because of the derivatives, we were selling bets on top of bets on top of bets of fuck, pardon my language, sawdust. Right. Sawdust. And that, but, but, but here's the most important thing for your viewers at the moment. Again, let, let's put this into comparison. We just had a wipeout of Sam Bankman Fried and FTX because of crypto. And we could talk about crypto all day, but that thing blew up because of a $9 billion hole in the balance sheet. We're talking 600 to $800 trillion in 2007 and eight that blew up the world that we will get to in terms of the, the Federal Reserve providing. 30 freaking trillion dollars in 2009 and many, 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 many more trillion dollars since to these guys that are p- playing everybody. And ultimately, right now, how much do you think we have in, 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 in uh, global uh, derivative trades that are just behind what's going on? It wouldn't be on? surprising me if, if we're right where we started before, if not more. We're, we're double from what I understand. We're up to 1.2 quadrillion in notional value of derivative trades. And yesterday we saw 
uh, and I've, I've seen Credit Suisse on the teeter, and it's a systemically important institution, of course, been around for like 136 years or something like that. Unbelievable assets, but they're involved with criminality up the wazoo, like you would imagine. So this is a global thing, right? And they had to get bailed out. They went through a trouble about four months ago because of the UK guilt run because of the derivatives trade, but they went down last night because of credit default swaps. Mm-hmm. Credit default swaps is what blew up the world in 2008. Again, the one, the yes. same thing that did it in 2008. Yes. And so, for example, you've got all these people in mainstream media that are starting to ask this question that are like, hey, you think the free money policy of the last 10 years actually created this? But let's ask what the free uh, money policy was, Egberto. So, for example, we all know during COVID, many people got, let's say, somewhere in the, what, $1,200 check range. Uh-huh. If you got a family, maybe you get $2,400, maybe you get whatever. Then, then there was a, uh, you know, what was it? The uh, payment protection plan. OK, whatever. Right. And then a lot of people took some of that money when they were aren't working and they invested it in bullshit crypto and meme stocks and all sorts of other crap that these guys were playing because of free money based on the Fed in 2020 that was then going into quantitative easing, which has been going on for the last 10 years, because what is quantitative easing? They've been buying, the Federal Reserve has been buying toxic assets for 12 years, okay, that they're all betting derivatives on. Same verse, second verse, same as the first. But here's the thing that I wanted to finish up with in terms of the, uh, the the mainstream media. So they're thinking about all of these things like, OK, like it doesn't matter if it's right or left. I mean, you can look at this idiot, Tucker Carlson, who's you know doing this reconfiguration of the freaking insurrection. But meanwhile, he does talk a little bit of the truth about what's going on in the markets because he's kind of a smart guy, but he's just a total nitwit. And he's using different little pieces and pieces, to, you know, to make an, you know, to make an argument to like really piss off white people, really. But then on the other side, you've got people like Rachel Maddow and everybody else that's just like, OK, well, wait a second. You know, let's blame Donald Trump for the deregulation. Okay. He's a pig. We all know that Donald Trump is like, you know, the the gutter rat that came to the top of the circle because this is what happens when it's a race to the gutter. And by the way, I'll say corruption births fascism. But then ultimately, when you get back to the, the, you know, the beginning of this whole thing, the the media has no clue or they're not going to tell us. Let me me back up. The media has a clue, but they work for the system. I heard today uh, Stephanie Rule, who is generally tries to be, she tries to be down the middle in the way she got things. She's now defending the banks. She's trying to keep this false notion. Oh my God, there She's you go. trying yeah. to keep this false notion that yeah. somehow this is a valid or, or, or a, a true system. This is a completely fraudulent system. So the video that we just saw literally set up 16, well, Let's call it at least north of 50 million Americans in 2008. That's the people who borrow, okay? Refinance, right. whatever, with their houses. They talked about the ATM, roulette, whatever. And, and we blame it. If you watch the movie, The Big Short, what the general consensus is, let's go blame the strip dancers who got in over their head. Well, how do you think strip dancers got a bunch of houses? Because these bozo brokers were selling, overselling, because they're getting paid fees to do so. And right. then when you get into engineered fabrication of documents, you get liar's loans. But by the way, they were shorting this too, of course, which was the big short, which right. we'll get to in a minute. But the long, the long and the short of it is engineered deception. So in the housing market bubble, which is, by the way, if you look at Silicon Valley Bank, the reason the Fed just rolled out a $20 billion, billion special purpose vehicle was to be able to pull all their assets off their books that are based and predicated on real assets, right? Fungible freaking real estate. But you heard what they did also. They now are valuating the companies not at the true value, but at what they, the face value and not at the market value. There you go, of course. And that's what they've always done. And that's what the Fed allows these guys to do. And all of us have to work for a living and make deals happen and do what we got to do when nobody's giving us freaking million dollar checks, you know, working our full head off when we got no love 
leverage and they're just giving all the money to the people that presumably got it when they would be bankrupt overnight if they were held accountable for their bad decisions, which is what capitalism is supposed to be, right? But that's not capitalism. What we've got is a corporate fascist system undergirded by a crime syndicate that basically uses socialism to pay off the freaking criminals. That's the freaking rotation. But let's go back to the engineered deception, okay? So in the housing market and what we show you in the con at www.thecon.tv, which basically was suppressed by, I'm sure, BlackRock. Now that I've seen all this stuff and I don't put a lot of faith into all the crap that's been going on in terms of the politics of the uh, Twitter files. But Matt Taibbi did show us a few things. Intelligence agencies were working with tech platforms to subvert a lot of progressive voices, in addition to whomever, right, as well as some right-wing voices and everything else. Matt Taibbi ultimately says that the right were suppressed because they're the biggest threat, and they might be. But the bottom line is, meanwhile, mainstream media is doing what you just said. Mainstream media is a deception racket nonstop. They get they, their freaking entire model is to lie. So everybody's getting paid to freaking lie. And here we are talking truth. This is a truth bomb, brother. And the bottom line is when you get into the whole freaking semantics of the vertical of the housing market, the way it's supposed to work is you're supposed to have stop gaps left and right. So you have a broker that's supposed to actually do some underwriting. Then you have the underwriter that does an underwriting, but they were both incentivized to lie, steal, and treat to create, uh, um, you know, through deceptive acts and practices, all of these liars loans. And then how does that happen? Well, you're supposed to have appraisals that are supposed to give you the right value of the house. But ultimately what you had was that the appraisers were forced to lie about the value of the home because a rolling knows no, loan knows no loss if it increases in value. You can always roll over that loan based on increasing uh, the value. And, and, and of course, leading up to the 2008 great financial crisis, that whole situation was, you know what, the, the housing market in the United States never went down except for when, the Great Depression. But we're in a different place, you know, post 70s, 80s and whatever else. And along the line is that they, they were increasing this and they were spending it off to get fees and fees and fees. And then how did they do it with the stop gaps? Because aren't you supposed to have more cops on the beat that manage that how this happens well guess what the credit rating agencies one of which moody's was owned by warren buffett mr everybody when the tide goes backwards you can see everybody who's naked well of course you can when you own the credit rating agency that's not looking inside the uh, actual mortgage-backed securities for tranches that you just preference that you know goes a b and c and everything else and they knew they were liars loans like a, an intern in college could have literally looked at any of these loans and realized, wait a second, that house that we we're you know uh, making a loan to was worth maybe forty thousand dollars six years ago. Now it's worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars. What you know? And that's what they were doing over and over. And but, then oh, last last piece of the puzzle. Then they were selling these things in derivatives. And okay, so anybody who saw the Big Short, you see Margot Robbie in the bathtub talking about complicated derivative instruments, right? They're bets on bets on bets on bets on bets, and they're based on credit default swaps. And you can't buy insurance on your neighbor's home if you're going to burn the house down sort of thing. But that's exactly what we did in finance, and that's what gave us the $600 trillion in derivatives that blew up the world. So where were the cops? They weren't because of revolving door, because of corruption, part of it. because of deregulation. And guess what, people? It never ended. I watched Michael Hudson last night, one of the greatest uh, economists in the world, the only one that I really trust. And in, in his summation, after an hour and a half discussion, you know what he told the world? He said this was the Obama, and it was, and I, I hate to say it, but the Obama war on the economy on behalf of the deceptive act and practice criminal villains of the 1% and up that basically use all of the material aspects of what I'm talking about, which is nothing but racketeering. And guess what? We got a law for that. It's called RICO. Racketeering nobody nobody intends to use it. Nobody. Right. We because. discovered the only RICO conviction in the entire country. Sorry to go ballistic, but this is what's happening right now. And it never stopped. And what it means is trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars have been given 
to criminals. You know, today, um, today there's an article in Common Dreams that says, when are we, I, I, paraphrasing, when are we going to stop kowtowing to the billionaires? What I hope is that this series and other series that we're doing with respect to showing folks exactly how the system works will actually make a difference. So look, um, uh, I, like I said before, that our next, our next instance of this will cover uh, so then what is the entire SIL system built for? And what I want to uh, cover in there as well, along with the video that you have there is, the system wasn't really built for us. It, the, the, the system was built, as Bernie said, on fraud. Not only Wall Street, Bernie said Wall Street was built on fraud. It's deeper than just Wall Street being built on fraud. It's, Look, the it's not free markets. It, it's not free markets, and it's not dynamism, and it's not risk reward. It's not capitalism, like Giannis Varoufakis says. It's techno feudalism and beyond capitalism because of what I just said: a corporate fascist state undergirded by a criminal syndicate, syndicate that gives socialism to, to, uh, to the to the to the to the criminals. I know you want to finish. Let me just make one last uh, point here, if you don't mind. Listen, man, going back to the Civil War. Okay, after the Civil War, what followed? Um, you know, uh, basically emancipation for the you know the emancipation proclamation after the North won the Civil War. Well, we ended up with uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, oh my God, I can't even think of the term. Where you know African Americans were set up with these liars' loans to basically keep them in bondage, which was um, sharecropping. Right. That's, this has been along around that long. It's just gotten more sophisticated with technology that's got millions of more people. Well, it's, it's making all- it's making everybody now the sharecropper. That's what I talk about right. when I when I talk about antiseptic slavery. And uh, slavery was when this this melanin was enslaved. The new slavery is a lot more efficient, antiseptic slavery. And now the vast majority of Americans, the most majority of Westerners, that's where we are today. Patrick LaBelle. Producer of the con, thank you so kindly for all that you're doing. That's right. Let's break the chains of debt bondage and let's lead to freedom through common sense and strength over and truth over the freaking villains, man. We can do this. You know, it, it's amazing because I just did, uh, you know, when we did this interview, I told Patrick we only had 22 minutes to cover this, all this subject. And so if you saw him trying to get absolutely everything into that 22 minutes it it was it's great seeing somebody who knows the material and can just throw the material out as he does anyway i hope you guys learned a lot from that i i I know that in talking to him we always get through things uh let's see what we got here egberto for lee there is a picture that that won't let me show let's see what that what is that picture maybe use a link to show africa migration five things we've learned looking for work and escaping poverty and economic hardship there uh where the uh, factors of uh waiting to emigrate in almost all the 34 countries surveyed accounting for 30 44 percent and 29 percent respectively having family and loved ones abroad would influence that decision too Afrobarometer found that one in five depend at least a little bit on cash payments sent to them from another country. A quarter of those surveyed said someone in their family has lived in another country during the past three years. It's amazing. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, This is one for the show. Another show. Let's see. 
Uh, Paul Fleming says, allowing voters to track their mail-in ballots increases transparency and confidence in our election. Today, I led a bipartisan co uh, coalition of colleagues to introduce the Vote by Mail Tracking Act to get this done. I love that. I love that. I love that. All right. Let's see. Eric Hayes says, the thought uh, African resources are limitless is ignorant. Oh, boy. The, you, 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 you've, you've missed the entire statement. It's not it's not limitless. The, there, the thing is, it is within our, well, I'm not going to try to go there. I, I said what I said, and go ahead and listen to it on the podcast. Uh, Michael Renan says, I swear conservatives never think to fact check their ideas before sharing them. Uh, that is by design. Lee Grant says, the worst thing you can do to a child is force them into a life of dependence on government. I agree with you 100%. But it's not only uh, children that if we force uh, them to depend on government, that's bad. It's also adults, as in corporations. Corporations are so used to sucking on the government that now they depend on the sucking on the government because they transfer all our money from the corporation right into the hands of the few thugs, a few parasites that owned these corporations. So absolutely correct, Lee Grant. You're absolutely right. Uh, what else have we got here? I know Michael left, so I'll leave that one out there. Carl Cox says fossil fuel industries opposed to clean renewable energies such as wind and solar because they can't control it and make bigger. And that, the thing about it is the wind is free. Solar is free. So therefore, the only cost is the cost of the hardware to manufacture the windmills and getting the transmission to the grid. They don't like that because, again, they're not the ones doing it. All right, uh, let's see what else we got here. Paul Fleming says, this is for your Texans. If you're in Austin or nearby, come and listen to some fascinating speakers at the 2023 Texas Tribune Festival. I am a part of an amazing panel on Saturday afternoon. Oh, Paul, are you? Uh, wow. Uh, I Wait, wait. Is did, did I understand that right, Paul Fleming, that you are on a panel? Please let me know that it's true. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, May, let's see, let's see, let's see. Scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down. Uh, hi, Egbert. I seen you on my TV. Yay. It's a, I'm glad you saw me on your TV, my dear brother. All right. Lee Grant says, current culture war in your beloved Canada. Protests and counter-protests over LGBTQ uh, took place in Toronto on Wednesday, with many more happening across the country. The initial protests were organized under the banner of One Million March for Children to protect our children from indoctrination and sexualization. According to the group's website, counter-protest looks. I spoke, to, I spoke to one of the organizers of that yesterday on the uh, program that I did. He's one of the guys. He drives around in a bus around the country. He's one of those. Um, uh, and... and a lot of this stuff is organized here in America and they're trying to export the they're trying to export our fraud. They're trying to export our false information. It, it's a it's a new form of fascism in how you mess with the mind, with people's mindset. And they're trying to make it into a movement. And, you know, they will be unsuccessful because enough of us have started to find out and call them out for it. All right, let's see what else we got here. I'm scrolling down. I'm, I got one more to show you uh, for five minutes. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see what else. Egbert ignores that uh, there was much more slavery of Europeans by Africans 
in Middle Eastern than any of the trade. Ah, you keep reinventing history, sir. Uh, let's see what else we got. What else we got? Uh, okay, I think it's time to hear my last video. No, that post was from Katie Fang. Oh, okay. Thank you. I didn't realize that it was from Katie Fang, but you posted it, but it's from Katie Fang. Got you. Got you. All right. Let's go ahead and listen to Ken Buck, a Republican who came out vociferously on the judiciary panel a couple of days ago in support of whom? Merrick Garland, in which he also pointed out, guess what, guys? You lost. Accept it and move on. A, one of your conservative Republicans told you. Here we go, and then we'll take it on the other side. Mr. Attorney General, welcome. And, and my uh, friend and colleague from Colorado outlined your uh, biography, I thought, very well. Um, but he left out uh, two points that I'd like to mention. One is, um, not only did you lead the prosecution of the Oklahoma City bombing case, but in that case, the death penalty was asked for and actually received, and Timothy McVeigh was executed. Not exactly a Democrat priority to seek the death penalty in cases, but you did so because of the rule of law. You did so because the facts and the law demanded that you did so, and you followed the facts and the law in that situation. The other uh, it, ex or issue I wanted, or um, example in your bio that I wanted to point out, is my understanding that in your conference room, you have a portrait of Elliot Richardson. And the reason you have a portrait of Elliot Richardson is because he demanded that the Department of Justice stay uh, independent from the Nixon administration. He had the backbone to stand up to the president of the United States and make sure that the Department of Justice would not become the government's lawyer. You put that portrait there soon after you became attorney general because it was a signal. It was a signal to the world that you wanted to be known in the same way that others that had come before you were known. And frankly, um, one of the reasons I respect Attorney General Barr so much is because after January 6th, he made the very difficult decision to walk into the president's office and tell the president the election was not stolen. We have looked at this. Um, and for that reason, he resigned before uh, January 20th when, when power was turned over. But Mr. Attorney General, you're unable to answer some questions here, but I'll answer them for you. Do you know what people would have said if you had uh, asked for uh, U.S. Attorney Weiss's resignation uh, when you became uh, Attorney General? Oh, I'm sorry, U.S. Attorney. Yeah, U.S. Attorney Weiss's uh, resignation. They would have said that you were uh, obstructing the Hunter Biden investigation, that you were firing a Republican appointee so that uh, you could appoint a Democrat to slow walk this investigation um, and and lose the leadership of that investigation. If you had made the same decision a year later because you were frustrated that the prosecution wasn't moving fast enough, they would have again said that you were interfering with the prosecution. If you, when uh, U.S. Attorney Weiss asked to become special counsel, if you had made the decision then to appoint someone else to special counsel, People would have criticized you because you would have been taking someone out of the investigation that knew the facts that could lead the investigation and put someone in who would have had to come up to speed on the investigation and wouldn't have allowed major decisions to be made until they came up to speed. So um, in, in three different opportunities where you could have acted, you would have been criticized either way 
um, whether you acted or did not act in that situation. Um, far from slow walking, uh, really, once the Trump administration decided that that was the person leading the investigation, your hands were tied. You didn't have the opportunity to make a decision um, on the leadership of that investigation. But speaking of slow walking, I, I appreciate your reference in your opening remarks, your written opening remarks uh, to the Department of Justice strongly supports efforts by Congress to promote competition in digital markets by passing legislation to prohibit certain anti-competitive practices by dominant online platforms. You can't say who they are, but I can. Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google are monopolies, and they have been harming this country and harming competition in that particular market for years. And Congress for five years has been investigating and offering bills on that subject. They spent $250 million, according to reports, in the last Congress to defeat those bills. And now we do nothing in this Congress to try to deal with that very serious issue. And that was a Republican that was coming to the defense of the AG. Man, it's always good when uh, some folks see the light and he's tired of the misinformation. He's tired. Uh, I mean, I, look, he's a very conservative guy. Very conservative guy. But again, uh, I've, I, I've, I really feel I don't even know what the word is. I really feel sorry for those who have allowed themselves down the rabbit hole. And unfortunately, uh, so many of you who are down that rabbit hole uh, will stay there because you, you are just so embarrassed that you were so gullible, so gullible to fall for a rapist, to fall for a, uh, to fall for a, an evil person, somebody who doesn't know how to treat women, so by, somebody who cares little about anybody else. So down the rabbit hole. And, you know, there uh, a lot of Republicans are starting to wake up. A lot of Republicans are starting to wake up, and it's a good thing. It's a very good thing. Anyway, we got to close out for this week. I want to ask you all to please support the program. We can't do this without you. Uh, truth can only be told by those who don't have. Uh, uh, how should I put it? Uh, put it this way: the mainstream media can only do what they can do. I mean, if they're if they're taking ads for big pharma, if they're taking ads for big oil, there's just so much that they can tell you. There's just so much truth that they can tell you. Independent media is the only solution. And that's what we do. We come out and we tell you the truth, not only on a daily program, but we also make sure to blog all over the place to make sure that information gets out there. But we need your support to continue doing this. It is, you know, we do it on the cheap compared to what the mainstream media costs. We do it on the very cheap. So I ask you so kindly to support what we do. And you can support what we do by going to politicsdoneright.com slash support, politicsdoneright.com slash support. And that gives you many different options in which you can make sure that we stay doing what we do here. And you can also subscribe to uh, our newsletter. 
at politicsdoneright.com slash newsletter. Please remember the newsletter. Yes, you get you get a, a newsletter at five every morning during the weekdays uh, for to telling you what's going to be on the KPFT show. But likewise, you get access to every book that I write. Right now, I have two books that up there, but I'm going to put all five of the books that I have written. Um, it takes a while to get it up there. And all of that you get for your subscription to my newsletter, as well as any new book that I come out. As a subscriber, every new book that I write will be on that Substack, that newsletter. So please, uh, you'll be doing several things. You'll be supporting the free access to information. You'll be supporting the truth being dispelled uh, or the truth being placed out there. You'll be supporting all the blogs that we use to seed the Internet with all the information that needs to go out there. Uh, So it's so important that you support what we do. Uh, Again, several ways. Again, go to politicsandright.com slash support that gives you all the different methods that you can use to support us or go to politicsunright.com slash newsletter and please subscribe to our newsletter i wish you a very 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 happy weekend and i'll see you i'll be doing stuff over the weekend as well but uh for those that that watch just during the week i'll see you on monday thank you so kindly for being here my name is egberto Willies, this is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.